What's good, Internet? And welcome to session 28 of Super GG Radio. For friends chat about video games and all things adjacent, welcome back this week, 2D Tuesday, pioneer and possible replicant, Joel DeWitt. Thank God we're still some years off from a reliable Voight comp test. What? Is this an admission of guilt? Stay away from my family, you robot! Excuse me, I prefer robot. (laughs) Also this week, we finally have Eric Getty Gettinger back from the Dealing with Satan. I mean Comcast. What's good, Getty? I currently have 50 feet of coax cable running from my house into the nearby field, but I'm back! Glad to hear it. Me too. Let's get back to work. This week is all about those strategy RPGs with early adopters, backlog blog, and a discussion on the genre as a whole, plus some news, so before someone trips over Getty's internet cable, let's get started. Woot woot. Early adopters, where we play alphas, betas, and new games that capture the zeitgeist, as well as two-thirds of the members of this podcast. Mm-hmm. This week we're playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. Well, well I mean, I'm not Two, two, two out of houses. three of us are. Yeah, yeah. Only the important people on this podcast. Did you pick... Well, somebody's... <laughs> True no, statement. Somebody's got to play other games beside Fire Emblem here. Like, somebody has to be steering this shit ship. Hey, Alex, this is not your father's Fire Emblem, okay? How much time... Before we start, how much time do we have to talk about it? Well, we want to keep it at a tight... I don't know. care. We're hijacking this session. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> oh. tell, tell me about Fire Emblem, guys. Oh my god, I don't even know where to start. I have four pages of notes here. Well, hold on. Are well, you guys, did you guys pick different houses? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Then let me know when Alpha Air, which two you pick, so that way I can get a different one. Are you well, actually going to play this? Uh, yeah, that's the plan. I just actively don't want to play only this game. I want to play other games right now. Oh, okay. Plus, I hear it's a whole lot like Persona, so that kind of gets me right up. It's right up my alley. Yeah. Getty, you've been gone for a while. Why don't you tick this off? Oh man. Yeah, where do I where do I start? This is huge. So for those of you that are living under a rock, uh the new Fire Emblem Three Houses came out for Switch about what? Has it been three weeks? Four it's been weeks? close to a month, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's so beefy. I, I didn't have time to have a substantive talk till now. Yeah, well, both of us have been trying to power through it, but Joel, I gotta tell you, I don't even think that we're at the halfway point. No, I, I kind of cheated and looked at a walkthrough just to see the outline of it. And yeah, there's there's like a first act, and we're not even through that yet. But I think that's kind oh. of the halfway point. And, and you're even a few months farther into it than I am oh, in, man. in game time. Well, I've, I've just been kind of associating the different months of the game with the months of like the regular Roman calendar. Mm-hmm. So I'm in month 11, so I, I like to think it's November. Right, even, yeah, even I'm I'd in... Like, I'm in month nine by comparison here, so I'm, I'm not too far behind you despite the disparity in levels. Oh, and there's a huge disparity. So <laughs> people people probably know by now I'm kind of a sick person, so while I'm a couple of months ahead of Joel, when we were comparing notes, uh, what, earlier in the week, my mm-hmm. characters were like four or five levels ahead of yours? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I've... You must be a lot better at min-maxing the stuff than, than I am. Or at least you caught on Twitter to the the direct route to leveling up and mm-hmm. excelling at this. Yeah. So what is Fire Emblem? It is your strategy, RPG. We're grid-based here. So you got to select your characters, move them around the map, and you fight. In previous iterations of the game, there was a huge focus on the weapons that you would have and kind of the rock, paper, scissors mechanic so lances 
they're strong against swords, swords are strong against axes, and axes against lances. And then they started to throw in even more stuff like bows, magic. Uh, it's kind of taken off from there. They've gotten rid of that system all in general. Like, you still have weapons, but there's no rock, paper, scissors element to it, right? There's a little bit, but it, it takes a back seat to everything else that's going on in this game. Right, it's more subtle. So there are advantages and disadvantages here, but what Daddy's saying is in prior entries like the 3DS ones, they were hard counters. So, like, you approach the Lance guy with, I forget what their counter was, but if you had the right weapon, you'd obliterate them and their attack would be useless. Yeah, yeah, your character would be just out. So you really had to play it super conservatively to make sure that you didn't screw up. Because there and was permadeath previously. In those, <laughs> back in my day, of course, there was, <laughs> it was permadeath. Yeah. So your character was dead, they're gone. But then again, in those games, they also threw like 50 characters at you and you could only have party of 20, I want to say. Maybe less. Something of that nature. And, and the thing, too, is that permadeath it still exists as an option in this version of the game. So as you start, you, you can choose permadeath to exist or not to exist. And I went with the permadeath option. But even then, there's a mechanic in the game that lets you reverse a turn Yep. during the match. So if you extend yourself too long and you see that one of your allies falls in battle and you want to avoid it you can use one of two or three rewinds for that battle to back up and then replace your move to try to avoid that outcome very cleverly stolen from into the breach but also very helpful if you botch a move is this once per fight or once per chapter what is the limitation on that that rewind time I've only ever used it once per fight. Yeah, I forget the hard stop exactly, but like you, Eric, I I maybe used it once uh, Eric? so far. Getty, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> hey, I could be calling you Guy. I I don't need people on this podcast to know that I actually do this podcast. I like the <laughs> anonymity of Getty. I tag you in everything. I. So let's get into some of the similarities that I've noticed. Uh, Joel, you can jump in here anywhere you like. Mm-hmm. But this is similarities to past games? In the past games. Yeah. Okay. So combat itself is very similar to what it was in the past. Uh, class leveling. So you do level up your characters. Their stats do go up, and it's very randomized. So you don't know if you're actually going to get HP. You don't know if you're going to get strength. Uh, and any of the other, like... Like, what is it, like 10 other features that you oh, have? Yeah. Yeah, they added a it's lot. Obscene. Yeah, so you can do that. You can evolve your character's classes through the use of seals, but this time there's even more levels that you can gain. So back in the original games, you could level up your character and then use a seal to evolve them into a new class. Well, I don't know if we want to even get into the differences yet, so let's just, <laughs> let's just stick with what's similar. Yeah. Uh, weapons, of course, you have your sword, your axe, and your lance, and the leveling system for the weapons is still iron, steel, and silver. So iron is the weakest, and even before that, you can get like training weapons, which do no damage, but they're easier for your characters to wield. So if you're trying to level up one of your character skills, you want to start with a weapon that isn't as intense, because they won't be able to equip. 
the other ones. Yeah, and the thing is that the weapons have durability too. So as you're attacking each time, there's like a counter of like 45 HP and each attack will take down one or you can use special moves that you obtain by leveling up and then those will actually use more dur- durability if you use oh. those special attacks. Yeah, I yeah. love those attacks too. Yeah, they're all pretty slick. Like they look cool in animation and they're each each of the special attacks will have different utilities. So there's like ones that are helm breakers that are meant to take on heavy armor foes Mm -hmm. down more quickly. Ones that are focused more towards beasts. If you are encountering those in the field. Yep. So Alex, what you just said about breaking weapons. Yeah. In the previous games, it was kind of like an element of the game. You would break weapons all the time in this one. You can actually repair them and you can, reforge them to make them even stronger okay kind of it kind of breaks the game a little bit because if you have like a really good weapon and you have enough of the materials you can just every couple of fights repair it completely okay that's good yeah and i i actually actually found a couple of weapons in my playthrough so far that are quote-unquote rusted but (laughs) you're able to evolve them if you achieve a high enough instructor level not not to cut from our template here but are are you finding this game a little bit easier than prior ones yeah without having to deal with that hard system of rock paper scissors you're able to finagle it a lot more i I mean i'm just finding that all my battles so far the most advantageous way to handle it has been to kind of have one or two formations of your team and either stay as one unit structured together or sort of split off and be two structured units and sort of swarm one or two enemies at a time to take them down and i found very little problems with strategizing around that to survive yeah well i'm at the point where my characters are so strong i just send in like a paladin and they swarm (laughs) him and nothing happens uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, that, that's kind of one of the funny things about it, too, though, is that the 3DS games, they usually, Alex, starting out, you, they would have one character on your team that was clearly and distinctly overpowered compared yeah. to your other units, and it was kind of bait because instinctually you'd want to just throw them into the fray and have them obliterate all the enemies or at least sort of draw aggro on the enemy's turn to try to attack them because the enemy's attacks would be useless and the character would counter with a hard hit that kill most of them mm-hmm. but but it was always a bad idea to handle it that way because it, that character ends up being an experienced sponge and takes up all the opportunities for your other teammates to gain experience and level up to a point of utility so you'd be you'd be winnowing your way into getting into this kind of useless state with half your team by doing that yeah those characters would not get any experience they'd get one or two while your other characters with a successful attack would get like 10 experience yeah. oh yeah is severely limiting your ability to level up and i sadly, like that this one doesn't do that sadly that was like the main strategy in a game called disgaea which i will talk about later <laughs> <laughs> is to it's honestly that you're it's to level up one character and then kind of have everybody else fodder that doesn't sound like much fun yeah, well, yeah no. except except for this you have intense relationships that are characters that make part of the story and in that game it is pretty much just nameless characters that are your party oh yeah well that's another thing that is a definite carryover from the last couple of games the affection slash affinity that you can get by uh fighting next to somebody and then the little stories that go along with it Mm -hmm. and uh can we just take a second to appreciate the main character's standard fire emblem haircut (laughs) 
Yep. <laughs> the the Marth special. The Marth I mean, special, yeah. Yeah. Anime, anime all over. It's just kind of a lazy haircut, but... I'm just kind of tired of there always being kind of a, a Marth stand-in in each one of these. Like, it, it must just be kind of an affinity thing that they want to carry over for each iteration. But I think Awakenings had Krom, who mm-hmm. kind of looked like that. And then even Lucina, who is like... Clearly a Marth stand-in. Yeah, right. Also, um, there was a, that RPG series Breath of Fire where it was the same cast every time, but they were different. Like, their personalities were different. <laughs> they were all reborn. Yeah, it was, that's kind of like what it was. Born Again Christians. Okay. I, <laughs> and, and, okay, a peeve of mine here. They, they, do, they did it. They used Amnesia again. Yes. As a it's story. Your, it's your favorite video game trope. <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening, but somehow I'm linked to you, and I need to figure out why. This is my dad. I don't remember him, but it's clearly my dad. How old he am I? <laughs> Yeah, that, that kind of bothers me. Whenever you go into the character menu, your character doesn't have an age. Yeah. And then some of the characters are like, we're clearly the same age. And I'm like, I don't I don't know that. I don't think anybody knows that. <laughs> and yet you're you're framed as being like a mercenary for years out on the battlefield with your father, too. Yeah, really, really kind of weird. So that's, that's really the, the beginning of the story, is that you kind of are out in the field all of the three houses like the students the main leaders they're running away from bandits with somebody from the church turns out that your father used to be part of the church as a a special knight and you join this battle you save the kids and that's really where the game picks up you have to go back to the the chapel because your father apparently fled many many years ago and everybody thought he was dead so after that, you, you have this good uh, opportunity to select which house that you want. And I guess we can, I don't know, are we like 20 minutes in yet? I uh, guess we, we're about, uh, it's about to be 16 minutes. Is there a sorting hat? There's not. You get no. to pick. That's the best part of Harry Potter. So I this just wanted to Harry gauge Potter. how much more time I have to talk about Fire Emblem. <laughs> I'd probably give you so another. Do I, get the net, do I get the next 20 minutes then? Oh, uh, uh Joel, I don't know. I feel like I, I earned it by playing more. And also, right. he's, he's probably still got another page and a half. And He's uh, just wound up from the last two weeks of being gone. Guys, I, know. I don't have anybody to talk to except for, well, Alex, you did come over <laughs> for uh, a little bit the other day. I, back to the, the topic at hand. So, Joel, I picked the, the Golden Deers as my house just because the, the main character, Claude, he is hilarious and he's also the bow guy, which you normally don't get in the Fire Emblem games. Oh, oh yeah, he's definitely the happy-go-lucky guy from the the casual hangout team. I chose the uh, the Black Eagles, which is like the the purposeful and righteous uh, in our task kind of team. So Edelgard is an axe wielder who is going to be the Empress someday, and her and her sort of uh servant are kind of prepping for some big play once they get to the point where they're ascending to the throne yeah i that's kind of weird to me because the house that i picked there they don't have like that very big definition between like hey these people are commoners and these people are royals even though that's kind of a big part of this game. Right. I mean, that's funny that you're saying that, because my, my house is distinctly different, where there are 
there's clearly the the royals and then there's the nobles who are sort of the servants to Edelgard. And then there's sort of a few offshoots that are commoners from other lands that somehow finagled their way into this school, monastery, right? Mm -hmm. And there's clear lines of delineation from, like, the way they treat each other in the interactions and even, like, some stat points where it's like the commoners are distinctly less powerful than the nobles. I, I'm really not, uh liking that part it, with the huge division <laughs> even when you get into the school the monastery they're like oh the royalty they live inside upstairs and then all of the commoners they have like rooms that lead out to the street yeah I, right <laughs> and you don't even know like it's really really weird because you get into this whole thing with uh different crests and you find mm -hmm. out that some people carry crests even if they're not royalty Right, so Alex's crests are kind of like this emblem inside of a person that a fire emblem, if you will. Yes, the ah, kind of, there it, we go. It, it imbues them with certain powers, so or abilities. So like uh, Edelgard from my uh, team has a, a crest, and she has a backstory that is kind of tragic around how she got her crest. And Byleth has a crest that's like this rare and unique crest that also allows him to wield this legendary weapon from the church okay and so yeah. but it also plays into that sort of narrative of like the the class warfare type things and the haves and have nots and how they interact with each other because some characters in the game if they don't have a crest will be kind of you know downtrodden on by those who do who sort of act better than them uh, depending on what team you probably have Yes, yeah, so I think there was the fun-loving one, you're more the religious type, and then I think there's one that's more uh, militaristic. Mm -hmm. So that that's what the difference is from my understanding of my research on these three houses. I kind of wanted to be the fun house, but since Getty got it, I'll probably go the militaristic house. Oh, maybe by the time that you get it, I'll have already finished that playthrough and have moved on to a second one. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, that, that's kind of, that's what makes me nervous about going on here a little bit, too, is that from what I have heard, you don't get the full breadth of the story unless you play through several different houses to get the different perspectives. So it's like, it's a cool way to uh, branch out and breathe the story out to the full breadth of it, but I'm, I'm not loving the idea of replaying this that many times, because... I gotta tell you guys, some of the stuff they've added with the relationship building, or at oh, least exploring, man. it's a little much. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's what we're gonna get into in just a second here. So, if we talk about some of the differences, I'm sure, Joel, you can definitely attest to it, but the way that the classes are built... So, mm -hmm. in the original game, each character would have a class. They'd be, uh, like, uh, what, what were the common ones? Uh, Soldier wasn't one of them, but that would be your basic lance carrier in this one. I mean, they had, like, farmers and very... Yeah, I, I can't recall the names like off the top of my head. But. Myrmidon? Myrmidon? Hmm. Uh, you it's would been have the too long since I played it. You'd have a mercenary, you would have a, a knight, and he'd be able to evolve into, like, a great knight. But anyway, so everybody would have one set class, and then you would be able to evolve them into their higher class. But this one, everybody starts out as either a commoner or a noble. And then from there... It unlocks four more classes, your basic classes. And then from there, it what, intermediate classes? There's like seven or eight, I think. And then you get to your advanced classes. And then I don't I don't even know what the last one is, like master classes. <laughs> Man, it's, this sounds all right up my alley. 
but but ba- yeah but basically like there are different meters for different capabilities between like magic sword fighting axe lance horse riding faith leadership and, and a few other stats that you have to be at certain levels for your character in order to be able to pass exams in order to become that class you can try and fudge it because it gives you a percentage of success in order to get to these other classes so let's say it suggests that your sword be at level b if you're level c plus you have probably like a 70 percent chance of success so you can try it you might not succeed but if you do it really pays off all right yeah, but these meters, they definitely try and gate you from moving your characters on. Until you're at a certain point. Well, that's that's the problem that I'm having right now, because I've tried to do a lot of work on the characters so that I can level them up so I can use the higher level seals to unlock their advanced classes. But uh-huh. then I find myself like, man, this guy is supposed to have like an A rank in Lance, but somehow he still has a, like a C+. Plus. Like, ugh, this is going to take so long. And then that's where the instruction comes in. Right. So this this is going to open a huge portion of this. So every <laughs> month, every month you have to... Okay, let's let's actually talk about the story here for a second. So, well, I was going to say, the way the game works, a lot like Persona 5, are yeah. there are days of the week that you have the opportunity to do certain activities. Right. And that end the end of the month with a big battle is that correct so yes and you become an instructor when you get to the school and it's your job to teach all of the kids that you got and that's like your free time well not your free time but your your week so your week consists of training all the kids and then (laughs) you get one day during the week (laughs) to either explore the monastery go out and do mock battles or uh attend lectures Right. Do the mock do the mock battles get you experience or that's just yes. like it's like a tutorial? Yeah, it gets you a yeah. lot of experience. Yeah, that that's your side non-story critical battles that allows you a chance to try to grind levels if you're feeling like you're behind or something like that. But then okay. that's also where they added the paralogs. So those are stories that are happening happening at the same time that the main story is happening. In this one, they added the twist of the paralogs. They only can take place during a certain allotment of time. So you have a couple of months to complete them. So there's your very Persona-esque vibe to it with all of the different running around, chatting up people, the limited stamina that you have during your free time. So if you want (laughs) to... Here's a fun thing. So during your exploration of the monastery, you can go up and you can be like, oh, I'm going to cook lunch with uh, Manuela, who is the very voluptuous other instructor (laughs) yeah she is we showed you Mm -hmm. a picture of her actually joel and i both showed you the same picture of her because we had the same reaction yeah not realizing not realizing that you had sent him the picture too (laughs) yeah (laughs) like this girl she's busty yeah and she introduces herself and she's like hello i'm ready and you're like what and then she bends over to greet you yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's anime as hell yeah, she's like, I'm a instructor, I'm a singer, I'm a songwriter, and I'm available. <laughs> Come on, baby. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's uh, once you get into the monastery, there's all of all of these different things that are going on all at the same time. Uh, need I mention fishing? They added <laughs> fishing to this game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Although I've only touched that when it forced you to so far. I, I'm not sure I've got a big desire to go on a fishing diversion here. Sometimes I just space out and I fish. That, no, there's so much to do in the monastery. I, I doubt it. How long did it take you to figure out that there was a fast travel to the different parts of the monastery? Not long. Because I, I, I spent the first three months not realizing that there Didn't was you? fast travel. So, so I literally, I yeah. walked from the different spans of the rooms <laughs> to each of the characters to try to find them to talk to them. Because the whole idea is that at the beginning of each month, it sort of refreshes the dialogue of all the different students and teachers and soldiers that can talk to you. And, and that's also a way that some of the students will, you know, gain better affinity with you is if you engage in these conversations and answer the right way that kind of pleases them. To. So you're, you're incentivized to pick at least one of those weekend days of the month to go explore and do that or complete side missions or that's also where you decide to hold lunches with uh, your students too. Mm-hmm. And those are all ways that you gain better affinity with them for the relationship building or also in order to instruct your students, they also have a motivation bar and <laughs> uh, those different actions also increase their motivation because if you get to an instruct day and you don't have enough students with enough motivation, you end up wasting some of your teacher's instruction points for that week. Yep. Yep. You got to keep those kids motivated. And you got to keep feeding them, which is weird. Uh, you don't have to feed them. Not, not at all. All I've heard they, about is feeding them. They feed themselves. Oh, you can give them items to increase their motivation. You don't have lunch with your students? Weird. Ooh. You. Ooh. Oh, no, I do. You don't have to do it, though. <laughs> Although it does increase your instructor level, which is yeah. very important. Yeah, so I, they, think that was, I think that was my bottleneck when we were talking, because you, you were saying that you were a whole level ahead of me of that, and that you had five actions for instructions, and I was like, yep. oh, shit, that's probably why I'm off. And two battle points, and two more. I, I, I don't even know what's going on. I honestly... Which, which one of your students are you going to date? I don't know. I was trying to get to the busty instructor, but it's okay. Same. So here, uh, Alex, <laughs> so that you know, yep. you're given all of these students. It's uh, a set number to start. Okay. Okay. As your instructor, he gains levels and he becomes more proficient in different skills. You can recruit students from other houses yep. and even different faculty members. Mm-hmm. So I finally got her to join up with me. So now... It's a waiting game. I'm going to make her stand behind me while I kill things. And you're going to dance suggestively. No, she will. Remember, she's a dancer, a singer, a songwriter. And available. (laughs) And available. So, uh, I just want to take a little bit more time. I feel like we covered a lot. But just to run through a couple of the things, slight spoilers here for anybody who hasn't played. I just want to see where Joel encountered some of the uh the different things Mm -hmm. so i'm taking it first chapter for everybody after you pick your house is the same thing uh you have a a quick battle with bandits after that yes okay and then slightly after that did you battle the first death knight uh you're talking about where the girl gets kidnapped and you have to go seek him out yes yeah, so the funny thing about that is that I think killing the Death Knight is optional in that battle. Did you actually fight the Death Knight directly? I have fought him twice and beat him twice. 
Okay, though well, that that explains the again power differential. So I I got obliterated by the Death Knight, and then I realized there was a separate win condition of just defeating everyone around the Death Knight. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that instead. You didn't yeah. have to kill him in either of the battles, but uh, it awards you a Dark Seal, which you can use to unlock some of the later classes in the game. Oh, okay. I read online that someone modded the game to get the Dark the Death Knight as a friend and to hang out with you and be in your class. And people what? said he was, he was annoying. I'm sure can, he is. He seems like a dick. Can you date the Death Knight? Uh, I don't know. I'll look into it. <laughs> That'd be cool, though. Uh, so I, I actually covered this already, Joel, but uh, the, some of the conversations for Affinity, people feel like they're just like jerks to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it kind of it seems like the first interaction is always like a, a tense, terse kind of thing. Yeah. And have you fought any of the giant monsters? I had one side battle where there were like giant wolves and then giant eagles. Nothing story critical, though. Joel, there's giant monsters with shields. Yes. Where am yep. I? What game is this? <laughs> this isn't Fire Emblem anymore. <laughs> no, no. So like when Daddy says shields, it's like it basically acts as a second or third life bar. And so you'd approach and attack these monsters and you'd think you'd whittle down his life bar to nothing. And, but instead, it would make a crashing sound, and the enemy would be, like, stunned, but then it would have another full life bar to go down before it actually gets downed. Hmm. Alex, I, I would say I'm sorry, but I'm not. <laughs> I, you, you can I'm have your podcast. No, I'm, I'm getting a nosebleed. You can have your podcast back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you guys are having a good time. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to ram Simple our way back. into a, a future discussion too once we've yeah. gotten through the second half yeah, by the time s- we finish it'll be in the backlog blog so yeah. we, could, we could circle back I'll just have to be very drunk for this <laughs> you're not but, well again someone's gotta play other games so let's talk about some of those other games in news after the break <laughs> we're back back with the news not all the news just the news we want to discuss the first bit i pulled up was red dead revolver coming to pc in two years i think they said 2021 so red dead 2 four to six years uh no shouldn't it be proportional so eight to ten years maybe yeah Are you, man i'm so su- i'm surprised to bring red dead revolver to pc you would have thought that that's an awfully old game. Like, I don't think many people played that on PS2, so I'm not sure why they'd be porting that by now. It's no, I think crazy. that's... I, I think it's actually Red Dead Redemption, and I just wrote that wrong. Oh, so this isn't actual news. <laughs> no, it's I changed that. News. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, what? <laughs> Got him. Uh, damn it. <laughs> yes. I'll start Fake over. Fake news. <laughs> I'll start over. No, no. <laughs> I thought I said Redemption. This is the news now. I guess you'll have to find out when you don't listen to this later. True. Ooh. <laughs> well, I'm glad that they're bringing that to PC. That was actually a good one. I didn't try to. It sounded boring. So so did they... Uh, they didn't mention where it was coming to, though, right? Whether it was going to be Steam or Stadia. Stadia or Acadia. Yeah. I, doubt, I doubt it'll be the Epic Game Store. Why? Because, I don't know, Rocks, I don't know if Rockstar is that kind of that kind of way i don't know if they go that route of trying to make it do they need that well, much money that extra money take two is the pu- 
Take Two is the publisher, so they. I, I bet they did a good enough deal from Steam that they will probably yeah. be on whatever takes them. So know, it'll man. probably be Steam and Epic, maybe. I mean, GTA is all on Steam, so. Yeah. It's an ever-changing world. You'd be surprised. Mm. That's true. Second piece of news. I'm moving. I'm moving and grooving. <laughs> that Fire Emblem thing was real long, guys. <laughs> I don't care. Aladdin Lion King remasters announced for all platforms. One package. Aladdin apparently comes with the SNES version and the Genesis version and the Game Boy version. Mm-hmm. This sounds Man. horrible. And I think it comes with <laughs> press kits of it, like like not the kits, but the demos of it when they were playing. It's like saying it, like having it at E3. Yeah, it was like the E3 demo is one of the things that's included in this package. Why it's do you nuts. need all of those? It's more, I think, on a historical point of you know order to have it all. Like, uh, what is it? what am I thinking of, Joel? It's like like a lot of these collections anymore. The way they enhance it and uh, you know give you an idea of why you'd want to own it is if you're a, a collectioner, like uh, somebody who cares about the archival stuff, and so like. One of the Street Fighter collections was kind of like this, too, where they had, like, tons of concept art, lots of different, like, stuff that hadn't been seen before. Uh, There was the Disney Afternoon collection before that had a bunch of the NES games that sort of was bundled in a way, too, that had some nice additional features and stuff. I think it's just, like, we're in this world now where you have, like, the limited run games type stuff and just these niche things that are for people who just want to collect physical copies of stuff, and I think... They needed a reason to be able to charge thirty bucks for two ROMs of sixteen-bit games. So, like, that's their way of adding to it. Guys, or even, uh, do you played these games, right? Yeah, a long time ago. They're bad. I've had I had this discussion with somebody on Twitter. I like these games, and I they, would play them. They were made to be very difficult, so that you couldn't beat them back in the day. I'm okay with that. I thought they were quality work. The art was phenomenal. Screw you, Getty. Okay. I well, I agree with you on Lion King. That game was miserable. I like, remember just trying to ride the carpet in Aladdin and stuff flying out of nowhere and killing me 400 times and then having to go back to Blockbuster. And you know what? Thank God that Blockbuster doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not getting this then, I take it. <laughs> I will gladly play through DuckTales again, which I have already done. Nice. It was great. Isn't that a good remake? Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> I had so much fun with it, too. Oh yeah. I haven't played mine yet. It's it's delightful if you liked DuckTales back in the day, because they even got some of the voice actors back for it. It's real good. And it's just challenging enough. I didn't feel like I was forced to redo anything 14 times. We'll see about that. I'll play them both, and I will beat them both, and I will show it to you. You're going to pay 30 bucks for it, right? Yep. October 29th. All right, I'll be there. Next up, Overwatch for Switch? Quite possibly. That was the rumor. All right, fine. (laughs) You into it? You're okay with it? I actually might play Overwatch more if I had it on my Switch. I don't see any reason for this. I honestly don't. You know, the funny thing is that a recent thing happened that kind of added credence to the rumor, too. There was a sheet of supposed GameStop pre-order lists that Mm. included this, which, like... Who cares? Somebody printed out a sheet that made it look like GameStop list, but it had a game that got announced today, which was a game based off of the Ice Age movies. 
<laughs> and, and that that Ice Age movie, Dame, got announced today. So it's like wow. there's some weird tangent evidence that it could be true. And then, of course, people jumped on the bandwagon that said Tracer for Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. Huh. This all came about because it leaked that there was a case that had a that had the Overwatch symbol on it, and it was an Overwatch specific Switch case. When they did this originally for Diablo three, they made the the case for it, as well as I think people found out about the Switch Lite early because a, a third party company started making Switch Lite cases. Right. Yeah. Supply chains are too leaky. I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. We're in a good time for leaks right now. Mm-hmm. Huh. Why, do you need a bathroom break? Nope, not yet. <laughs> Telltale Games revived. Yes. That's our fourth story today. I'm actually very excited about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's early to tell what they're going to be able to produce in terms of new stuff, but at mm. least this way you know that their archival stuff will probably show up back on stores. Nope, and I already saw again. Batman, and they also retain the rights to the, what is it, the... The Wolf Among Us? The Wolf Among Us, yeah. 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 Sorry, so I had to, I, like, turn my head to see the game. <laughs> <laughs> that game was so good. Oh, uh, yeah. I just yeah, also I, just don't know that, like, I don't think they got anybody from Telltale originally, so it would just be name only. But THQ did that, and I think that they're doing pretty well. So th- there was actually Kotaku reporting today that uh, they actually have a handful of people that were from the original Telltale. Uh, some in full-time roles, and then a handful also as like contingent workers. And the the tone of it is that the new people coming in are, are very, very conserv- conservatively minded when it comes to like expanding the business out, which that might actually serve themselves well for what they're trying to do right now. Yeah, well, considering that that was... That was the problem in the first place. Right. They took the success of Walking Dead Season 1 and used that as an excuse to gobble up any license they could get and then just vomit out a bunch of games of varying quality. They got some big licenses. I have Game to of, imagine Game of Thrones, that. Back to the Future, Jurassic Park. Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. You have to feel like the more indie games, or the more indie titles, like The Wolf Among Us and... Walking Dead didn't set them as far back in the beginning. I really hope they revive uh, The Wolf Among Us Season 2. Like, we were so bummed when they got closed down that first time because that was the thing I was waiting for more information. And they actually, they announced that they were starting work on that sometime shortly before they folded in the first place. Well, I'm just an avid fan of the comic that was put out, Fables. Mm Mm-hmm. Love it. I think I gotta go back and play those games because I only played Batman and Walking Dead Season 1. So I think that like that's kind of ripe for me. It's just like one week sit down and do Borderlands, because I heard that's really good, and do Wolf Among Us. How did you only make it through the first Walking Dead? Because I thought that story needed to be done, and I thought that that was a good way to end it. And mm. I didn't feel inclined to continue on Clementine's story. second I, one's pretty good. The second I, I one's not bad. It's, I, I don't it, think it it's is bad. A drop, it is a drop-off from the first one. Yeah. It's like, you know, it, but I, I, think, I think at the right price, it's worth visiting, at least. Like free. Because that's what I got it for. Yeah. <laughs> You're not helping. <laughs> I'd never help. Come on. That was a good news week. And you're welcome. I didn't even mention Randy Pitchford and his mess. Because yeah. there, there's more to that. We're not a legal podcast. Right. Nope. We're growing as a podcast. They do have some sweet Borderlands 3 rubber ducks. I might buy, though. I just showed to Beth. Let's, let's take a break while I go ahead and pre-order those. Shame. I'm taking away your Twitter privileges. Shame. (laughs) I did retweet that. (laughs) 
Time for the backlog vlog. Since my two co-hosts were busy playing Fire Emblem, it's time for me to play games that came out before Fire Emblem, roughly around a year. And that's when I put them in the backlog vlog. See, that was smooth. That was smooth, guys. Come on. I just can't believe this tweet. I'm looking at it right now, and I'm kind of upset. <laughs> about the Randy, the about the the Borderlands ducks, <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's linked to him. Oh yeah, he posted that, and I was like, well, Randy gave me something good at least. All right, Alex, can you tell us about Banner Saga? Banner Saga. Since this week seems to be the tactical strategy RPG week, I played Banner Saga. Grid combat. You are in a uh, pretty square or rectangular arena. You're put into these combat scenarios where you have either frost giants, like big giant like Viking dudes, or normal humans, and you have to figure out these combat scenarios. What makes this game different is the story. It's a gritty no good option, downright depressing story about two desperate caravans on opposite sides of the world as they continuously outrun a bad situation and continuously go into worse situations. Sounds heavy. Yeah, and, and, and it's also, the world is ravished by zombie Viking warriors. Hmm. Kind of like, like Game of Thrones. You know Game of Thrones, uh, the people on the other side of the wall? Spoilers. The White Walkers? Yeah, the White Walkers is not really spoilers, dude. Some of us haven't watched past the third episode of please say Game season one yeah he think he's on season one <laughs> <laughs> joel you lose this one <laughs> zombie warriors are constantly chasing these two separate caravans and the game is split each chapter you're the other caravan so you go back and forth each chapter and you make more morality based decisions on how to handle these situations but they're all kind of morally gray so you kind of feel gross making any situation like what you will meet a caravan of people and it will say, these guys are hungry and they've been attacked by the zombies. They need some food. And you can choose, give them food, invite them to be part of your caravan, or say, no, get out, or kill them because, hey, they might be zombies themselves. Can you use them as food for your caravan? No, but you can kill them and steal other stuff. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I can see how that'd be a gray area. And then there's also, like, again, like, you'll get the... the Everyone is hyped and everyone's happy or everyone's kind of bummed out by your decisions. And, of course, each scenario plays out. So I invited a group to my caravan because they needed food. And it's like, hey, join us. It'll be cool. You can fight with us. And it said, oh, cool. They're happy. They ate some food. Everyone's ready to fight. And then in the night they left. And they stole a bunch more food and some money. <laughs> you must like, well, feel like a jackass. Kind of, yeah. But that that's what keeps happening. And so... You'll go and you'll run to a castle and you're like, hey, we need to get in. And they're like, no, we're kicking everybody out. And then it's like, murder everybody in the castle town or just try to weasel your way in or just keep moving. And even though you're running out of food. Alex, you probably need to just murder Hobo this game. I thought about it. I There is options for all of that. Do you enjoy this kind of uh, choice making where it's like constantly like no good option and it gets more and more oppressive as it goes on? Only from the standpoint that it fits the story overall, because these char- there are very specific characters in the story that you're hearing about, and you're the heroes of each, you know, when you go into combat, you have an army of like 500 people, mm-hmm. and you can choose, some of the moral options are, use your army to fight, or you just go and head, take the head, the head guy down, and that way half your army doesn't die, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, it fits the story, 
when you go to these towns and you're like, this is this guy's head of this town and he doesn't want to let you in. And then they have a back and forth. Your character is it, it half desperately pleading, half trying to be boastful to try to play this guy's bluff. And this guy is calling your bluff or he's backing down. And the way they interact and the way that they're constantly running from these zombie hordes, it fits the, it fits the, the gameplay fits the story. And I, I'm, I'm liking the story. I kind of want to see where it goes. And considering they made three of them and they're, each one is the next chapter. What, what are you playing on? I'm playing on the Switch. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. It, it runs really well. It's nice because some of those combat scenarios can be tricky. Yeah, you move your characters along a grid. You pick your spots, and and then they have ranges of attacks. If you have an archer, they can attack you know a little bit further out. But the system is interesting because you have a power meet, you have a power number, and then you have a def- defense number. If you have to pick which one you attack, I want to attack the defense. I want to attack the power. If you take someone's defense down, say they're at a ten, you take them down to a five. When someone attacks. It actually does math against each other so that if your if your attack is seven and someone's got five defense, it'll only do two damage. Now the power meter is their wait, actual wait, wait. Lo- what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Because their defense it? their def- their five defense negates their five defense negates five of your damage. Okay, so they have a separate health bar then. They have they have two bars. It's not even a bar, it's just it's just literally a number. It says seven red or seven blue, and that's blue is defense red is their health but also their power because if they have a really high number you can attack it and that means the next time they attack you it'll be less damage they'll have less okay so they have three different statistics they've got their strength their defense and then their life well no their life is their strength okay all right that's i think that's where i was confused yeah. is that it's it's eating away at their strength okay so it i was trying to compare this to like uh advanced wars or even Wargroove because that's the last thing i played that i'm trying to compare it to yeah, so there you have these two numbers, and then you can pick and choose what you attack. Humans are more advanced at attacking their defense, while the Vikings do all power, but you can put points as they level up into their stats to change that. Individual uh, units? Yes. Okay. Yes, because throughout the story, you meet these characters that are just... These, these characters have very valid points to the plot line. They were someone's wife, someone's daughter, someone's kid, and the main character's kid. And so you use them in the combat when you do the combats, like the, the actual randomized battles. All right. So it's kind of complicated that way. I really like the artwork, though. Everything looks hand-painted. It looks like a classical painting in the, the aesthetic of Vikings. So everyone's got, like, the, the, the ships that have the big masthead on them. Or, like, everyone's just wearing cloaks and have axes and look like bow and arrows that were made, like, recently. I like the sounds of this. I, I've always seen this on like the Steam store, and I saw when it was coming out, and I, I never looked into it because my gut reaction was like, this looks like some kind of graphic novel, and I'm not sure I'm in the mood for something like this. But the way you're describing it sounds a little more interesting now. Yeah, the actual day-to-day gameplay is it is a little graphic novel-y where your caravan's going, and if everyone if the morale goes low, you can stop and rest, and everyone's morale goes up. Mm. Or if your enemies get attacked and get hurt in combat... Your, your, your characters, I'm sorry. If your characters get hurt in combat, they come out of the combat still wounded, and you have to rest the caravan a certain number of days to heal them back up. Mm, gotcha. So there is a... But when you're actually going and talking to people, you're just clicking points on a map. There's not a, there's not a walk this person up to that person and have a conversation. It's just click that if you want to talk to that person. It's just the Ardon Trail sequel you never you knew you wanted. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to keep going. I'm pretty close to the end now. I might take a little bit of a break before I go into two just to wean off and shake off the the dank, dark sadness of being chased by Viking zombies. 
So you said there's three of them? Yes, the third one does finish up the story, I'm told. Okay, so how much did you purchase the first one for? I don't remember. I think you don't was, remember? Okay. I think it was like $30. I thought this came in a package with all three on Switch. There was. I was not... I didn't... It was less expensive, I think, for the one I... For just one of them at the time. Woof. Mm-hmm. Really? So I kind of felt like, well, maybe I should just chill and see what happens. But the Banner Saga trilogy is... is is a good investment. I just didn't know if I wanted to commit to it yet. Listen, Alex, Fair. after after last week, you already have me thinking about buying Evo Land. Mm-hmm. The combo pack is on the Switch right now. Uh, the combo pack on the Switch, I just looked it up, is $30. I think I bought my, my maybe I bought the original game for like 15 at okay. the time. Yeah. I'm going to continue. I want to finish it up. I like it. I just, I wonder if I'm going to continue or not. Do it. Maybe. Maybe. I'll go through them. The game's not that long, so it's pretty fun to know these characters. Now, complete opposite spectrum of that, while still in the same vein, Disgaea. Disgaea. There, there is five of them in a series. I, I'm playing the first one right now. It is also a tactical strategy RPG. This is cartoony-ass anime. Hmm. You played this one before, like when we I, were in college, right? Yes, I did. Okay. I did. I thought so. Yeah, I, I, I like I like the artwork, and I like the story and the characters, because they're funny and silly. You're... Laharl, a demon prince who went to sleep, and during the time that you were asleep, your dad died. And a lady wakes you up by hitting you in the face with an explosion. As uh, one does. And, yeah, I think she hits you with a hammer a couple times in the story. Your sidekick characters are penguins who all sound like surfers and go, hey, dude. <laughs> it's the best. It's, it's, they're they're the, the iconic character from this series, everyone. If you talk to anybody about Disgaea, you talk about the preenies, which are penguins that say hey dude and always have a bunch of knives on them uh but the the gameplay is just uh the grid based story the combat you're in a big map it's actually a big map uh and then you take turns walking your character around and attack with damage now that's it well (laughs) hold on i'm 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 not trying to give you no no i'm stretching out for this one okay i was gonna say i'm trying to give you a little bit of a hard time but i know that there's like way more to this game too well you guys thought that auto chess was complicated Okay. So, you get weapons, swords, shields, whatever you want. There's only two main story, two or three main story characters, but the rest are all fodder. You can buy the each character, and then you level up from level one. You give them a weapon, you give them a sword, you give them a spear, you give them a lance, you give them a crossbow, whatever you want. You level up the characters in combat by moving them around. You can also level up your weapons. You level up the weapons by putting them, and they create their own dungeon. And then you have to go with your characters and fight in that dungeon and each floor that you continue to beat monsters in your weapon levels up so while you're doing the story and fighting enemies and doing this dungeon you can take a, go to the side and level up your weapons part of the combat you can pick up a character and throw them across the the map you can pick up an enemy and throw them at other enemies to hurt them that sounds like fun yeah you can stack up to seven people i think it's seven or eight which is just silly does throwing your character at an enemy hurt your character yes but if you throw your character next to an enemy it doesn't what do you mean okay. stack seven people? You can stack a lot of people, if I remember correctly, in this game. Like you can make a person pick up another person and pick up another person? Yep. What? Think like Super Mario Odyssey when you are inhibiting a Goomba, and then you jump on top of six other Goombas like that. Joel, yeah. I never I never played that game. Wait, really? I'm going to give it to him. Don't worry okay. about it. Okay. Good. You, Alex, you fix this, okay? Got it. I'll fix it. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. Then, okay. Then you want to get new items. You have a a shop. 
or you have a hospital that'll heal your characters. If you want to get better where you can have more spots to heal characters or more items that are more level appropriate for your characters, you have to summon the Dark Assembly. Dark, Dark Assembly is Congress. It's seven, it's, <laughs> That's it's appropriate. Seven to ten enemies, enemies you've seen in combat, and you can click over them to see whether they're for it, against it, or if they like you or not. And then you bribe them with items that you have to try to convince them that, hey, I'm cool, you should vote for me. The same enemies that you killed, then they vote for or against you? There are, I want there's not a whole lot of new art with enemies, so okay. you see the same enemies a lot. Weird. So, yeah, and then and then you can fight the guys who didn't vote for you. <laughs> I wish real Congress were like that. <laughs> so Why you're didn't on the you vote for this. Now you have to fight me. So you're on the grid in the in the map, and it's a big size map, and you're moving your characters and you're killing enemies using special attacks that come with your weapons. But there are other things where you'll see the map and it will have a checkerboard on it, and they have things called geo panels. It's a little pyramid on the ground that will make it so. Wherever it's at, what spot, what square it is on the map, along the checkerboard, all the like squares throughout the map will have like 10% damage or 5% less defense. And you can pick up that geo pyramid and throw it on another spot and it'll make the whole map that way. Or you can destroy it and it'll hit everybody that has one of those tiles. So geo panels give like an elemental buff to different spots on the map. Sometimes it's a quarter of the map, sometimes it's checkerboarded across, so you have to pay attention to that. Uh, your weapons, when you're leveling in those dungeons, you can save innocent people, which give your weapons buffs. The more innocent types of people, like a statistician or a calculator or a lawyer, you'll get more buffs, <laughs> different buffs to your weapons. Sorry, you said lawyer? I think that was one of them. I'll look again. <laughs> they did a special <laughs> ability in Congress. <laughs> right. So, and then again, it's just like a story of you as a character, Laharl, you in a graphic, uh, in a graphic novel sense, where you're having these conversations back and forth with the character and then it's like okay now go fight in a battle it's good it's fun it's not i remember playing this throughout college for a ps2 i it's really hard and i don't know if i remember it being that way but maybe i didn't play that much of it well i'm glad you had fun with laharl goes to washington <laughs> i definitely did dude oh i feel dirty now <laughs> <laughs> makes sense I, I, I ran through that pretty fast. That was the, the, the game does get very complicated, especially those dungeons for the weapons. Nah, it sounds good. And even now that you said it's hard, now it makes me want to play it. Yeah. Only problem is that the, that series of games from that publisher is generally pretty much Japanese only, and uh, they they have them for America now, but they're still like forty bucks. I bought this for forty bucks. Mm-hmm. Who's the publisher? Uh, NS Games, I want to say. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, and and because of that, you know, it's like I got it for Switch, which is, means it's awesome for me to be like playing this on the go and not have to worry about uh, who's gonna be. Is there is there any given time I need to hit save, or else I'm gonna come up from behind and be screwed? But no, it's good on Switch. It looks great. It's a good remake of that game. Uh, it doesn't grab me with banners as much as Banner Saga because this is again a graph, uh, not a graphic novel, but you know, a visual novel, Japanese visual novel. While Banner Saga gives me these choices. Hmm. But, oh, and uh, the publisher was NIS. Okay. Mm-hmm. NIS America. But speaking of tactical strategy RPGs, 
Let's get into our genre segment. You sure you don't want to take a turn into that segment? No, but I'm more curious about, did we come up with a title? Uh, you know, my vote was still for uh, genre jive. Jive. Whoa, jeez. Joel? <laughs> genre jive turkey? <laughs> well, I don't think you can say jive turkey, but... Our new segment, Genre Jive. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a resident expert segment where we invite a guest over and they talk about a series of games that they like that's in their wheelhouse. But this week, we're going to do our own version of this with tactical RPGs. Getty and Joel, you guys have played your fair share of tactical RPGs. Joel, you said you hadn't, but you played three to four of these games on this list, so I'm counting you in. Yep, fair enough. And also, uh, I thought another one while we were... (laughs) recording here so what was that uh well actually tactics ogre is the the series but uh ogre battle 64 oh yep that was that, that's another one yeah. all right so tactical rpgs are are some cases grid based you know square blocks that you move a character but also it's just the fact that you use movement as as a to strategically position yourself to do attacks in combat they don't necessarily always have to do with hot like platforming or jumping around it is a lot of cases, a little bit visual novelty, where you hear these scenarios in front of you, they talk, they discuss, and then you go into a combat scenario where you're in an arena and you move your characters and position them around. With that, do you guys agree that that's kind of the definition? Tactics-based RPGs? Yeah. I think that's a good foundation to build off of, yeah. Like, back in the day, it was that 2D, like you'd have two characters talking and then you'd get dropped into the battle. But as we've gotten further along, normally your characters already get dropped onto the battlefield, I'm looking at Mario and Rabbit's battle, our kingdom battle, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking about that one because you'd just get dropped right on, and then there'd be a a conversation that would ensue, and then you'd have to battle. Yeah, and because of that, I wanted to give a list of the ones that I could think of relatively quickly. Yeah, now I'm just thinking of other ones. Yeah, we didn't so even get Advance a- Wars on here. I thought I put that on there, but I guess I missed it. So Tactics Ogre, Disgaea, Ogre Battle '64, Advanced Wars, Shining Force. The Banasaga series, Azure Dreams, Battletech, XCOM, Ark the Lad, Grandia, Final Fantasy Tactics, Into the Breach, Fire Emblem series, Valkyria Chronicles, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, Tiny Metal, and Mutant Year Zero. I think there's got to be more, I'm sure. Oh, there's tons. Tons more. Uh, Phantom Doctrine was one that I played recently. Is that? I saw that one. Is it good? It is. It was pretty decent. It's in the same vein of XCOM or Mutant Year Zero. Right. Uh, same kind of structure and setup. It's just in this kind of 70s, 80s espionage theme and kind of uh, a spy versus spy warfare tactics kind of stuff that has a neat twist to it. I remember watching the developers do like a three-hour gaming session when it was about to release. So I had thought about it, but I'm glad that somebody got it, Joel. Yeah, the only real downside is uh, doing paperwork. So, like, you, you you have to... You know how they got the cork board? Uh, like, the Charlie Kelly scene from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia with yeah. Pepe Silva. Yeah. It, it's like you have to connect the red string to the different parts of the cork board to tie together the conspiracy and information on it. Which is, like, in itself, like, a cool idea. But in practice, it's a little tedious. Okay. Well, let's, let's start here. What's your favorite part about the... Tactical strategy RPG. Getty, Getty, let's start with you. My favorite part or my favorite in general of all of these games that you listed? Well, no, let's talk about why you kind of like these. Why do you gravitate towards them? 
You know, I think it all started probably around the same time at PlayStation 1. So definitely one of the first tactical strategy games I played was Front Mission. Okay. And mm-hmm. what I really liked about that was that you had to pick and choose your battles, and it had this fallout element of it where you could target different parts of the enemy's bodies. And you know I'm a sucker for giant robot anime, so it was uh, it was definitely something that drew me in. It's a... Mm-hmm. I mean, I really like that series, and the fact that you got to customize your mechs as you made your way through the game, it made it more fun for me. Uh, obviously, after that, I got to play through Fire Emblem, and then I have a sordid history with a bunch of the other games on this list, so... <laughs> What about you, Joel? So my entryway was actually Final Fantasy Tactics, and it was something that I ran across after playing Final Fantasy VII, then going back to Final Fantasy IV and Chrono Trigger, and at that point in my early teens, I was just really thirsty for more stuff in that vein, and I just kind of picked it up on a whim, not realizing what it was, and so it turned into this really hard crash course into what Tactics games were, and... I'll be honest, I, I struggled with it a lot, but at the time it was just such a novel idea to like the 14-year-old me that instead of these, uh, what's this? What's the R- traditional RPG uh, fighting? Just turn-based turn RPG? Based. Yeah, and instead, of it, instead of it being turn-based, it, it's this, you know, like moving chess pieces on a board and not only having to figure out like timing of your attacks, but also considering the strengths and weaknesses of each individual enemy on field and then also having to consider like your placement on the field and how you're endangering yourself it it was just it was just the right kind of twist that uh sort of opened up this genre to me now before alex uh tells us what his is guys raise your hand if you had that moment in final fantasy tactics where you didn't realize that you could slot different characters on the board so in the first mission you completely wiped and had to start over i'm not raising my hand you didn't no i knew i could move characters right away no not move characters but place characters yeah no i figured that out really quick really i i had that happen to me that was kind of like the first time i bounced off of it and then i started the game over and i tried again and that game is hard. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it is legit hard and oppressive. And you have to, like, if I have a grievance with this genre, or at least when I used to, it was how long it took before you'd lose a battle and then have to start over, and just that burning of the time, you know, of time lost every time that you didn't achieve it. You had to save after every battle too. Yep. Mm-hmm. I have a story about that later. <laughs> I think my favorite part is that while I grew up playing turn-based RPGs, there is always, in the back of my mind, a a little bit of disbelief in the fact that, okay, so this guy is going to fight this guy, but they're each going to take a turn just smacking each other. Like, there's in a a row, okay, let's stand in a row, I'm going to punch you once, then you can punch me, and that's cool. But at least with tactical RPGs, I felt moving yourself from one spot to another, then attacking, and then someone else moving and then attacking, at least felt more realistic. I'm not just in a row waiting. People are actually moving around a combat field. And it also just felt a little bit more like chess. This is like what D&D was. Yes. When that's when we got that's a little why. bit older. Because each... Uh, in the standard D&D thing is that each, round, or each time it's your turn, it lasts six seconds. So that's what this whole idea is. That if you watched it in live action it would probably look a lot cooler. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you put it on fast forward, it looks like an actual like fight. Right. And that's which, why that's why I liked it. Which going back to Fire Emblem real quick, <laughs> just just briefly. You uh, couldn't cool, let it go, could you? I'm I've got it in my lap right Fire now. Fire Emblem's uh, on the list, so it's okay to talk about it. Right. He's currently so, playing it. It's currently in his lap on. I didn't say I was playing it at the moment. I did move my turn to the next week. But uh, anyway, the <laughs> oh, you bastard. <laughs> one of the cool things about the the battles actually in this version is that uh, you have garrisons uh, like uh, armies, pl- you know, like platoons along with you oh, man, with I your forgot. units. So like in the battles, when you choose to engage an enemy, uh, it'll show all your soldiers along with your primary character or even you can use that as a separate move to kind of disable or disarm the enemy for a turn so it's kind of like a cool way to also make it feel more like a large stale battle despite having maybe only nine units visible on the field until you have that attack turn joel i don't want to hijack this but have you thought about equipping some of the like stunning battalions onto your mounted soldiers so that you run up, stun, and then run away. There's so much that I have not explored in Fire Emblem yet. There you go. There's an idea for you. <laughs> What's everyone's favorite tactical turn-based strategy RPG? Okay, so it's not on this list. Uh, I did say that I really like Front Mission a lot, but they did make, and you guys are probably going to hate me, a Valkyrie profile turn-based. <laughs> guys, you can hate me as much as you want, but they made a turn-based RPG, and what I really liked about the game is that you could sacrifice the characters in your party, and then your main character would obtain an ability that they would carry through the rest of the game with them, and then you could roll it over and carry it over into the next playthrough. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at that, that tactical game. That's interesting. I played it like seven or eight times, and there's uh, three, three or four different endings to it, so it makes it worth your while to play through a bunch of times. For me, I want to say it's kind of split between, uh, let's see, I played a bunch of these, if not, well, let's say two-thirds. Azure Dreams and Final Fantasy Tactics, I've mm. played a lot of both. Have you guys ever played Azure Dreams? No, no. but Alex, real quick, who's your favorite uh, named character in Final Fantasy Tactics? Uh, Delita. All right, respectable. I like Delita. He had cool hair. He slicked it back. All right, so, um, well, also Cloud. Cloud was cool. Mm. I got Cloud. All right, so Azure Dreams. Azure Dreams was a version, it was, it was almost like Pokemon. You had a tower that just went straight up into the sky, and you would go into the tower, you would collect, you would fight monsters, and you would get an egg that you could hatch, and you would then have a certain type of creature. Oh my You'd- god, I remember this game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. And you start at level one every time. Yes, every time you exit the tower and you go back in. You de-level. Yep. So you had a backpack that had minimum storage space that contained your armor, food, and different monster creature Pokemon that you had. Yep, you could collect different kind of eggs and hatch them. Ugh. And then as you ascended the tower, you'd get more loot, but you'd run out of backpack space, so you'd have to come back. And then you would use some of that stuff, like the items and money, to build up the town where you'd now have a new fountain, or you now would have a bigger blacksmith, or something to that effect, and the town would prosper and get bigger and bigger as you kept attempting to ascend the tower. But if you died, you lost everything, and I believe it was including your monster creatures that were with you. That was depressing. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't turn-based as much as it was you're moving along a path and if you run into something you attack it and if they run into you they attack you 
So you still are moving along the grid, but you have to pick your positions carefully because you auto attack. There was yeah, there was a bit of strategy because I, if I remember correctly, you could also do it so that your monster might move away from you. It would go yeah, and so attack, you could and leave. you could move around to the side. But it wasn't very yeah, it wasn't turn based. Hmm. So that's Azure Dreams, and then of course Final Fantasy Tactics. What about you, Joel? Actually, uh, my favorite is probably Advance Wars. A lot of these games are really really complex. And I I like that if I if it's something I can get into. But uh, Advance Wars is simple in its rule set. You know, it's it's very standard stuff. It has that rock paper scissor aspect of it. Uh, it has the idea of different terrain offering you cover. It has this nice cartoony vibe to it throughout the series that it is playful and works really well for the handheld nature of it. And it's just it. it offers a nice breezy way to jump into a few matches and just be able to not have to focus on much except for the positioning and the plotting out of how you counter the curveballs the game throws at you. Besides that, out of this list, um, I don't know. I, I loved Into the Breach a lot. Like the, mm. the, what, the twists that they take to the genre and the conceit around the time travel loop just really spoke to me the more I played it and it dug its teeth into me. So it's it, it rose up pretty quick to one of my favorites. Now, is there a twist on the genre that you liked? You liked you said you liked Into the Breach. What was the twist on the genre that you liked out of there? So I liked how the strategy for that isn't so much about clearing the screen of enemies. It's more about uh, damage prevention. And, and okay. the positioning wasn't just about like where you position your characters for the end of the move per se, but also about the way you attack the, the Vec and how it moves them a square or two down the line and how you can sort of daisy chain these hitting a Vec over to the adjacent space in order to block a hole where the new Vec would come out. And then during the enemy turn, the enemy Vec tries to pop out, causes that Vec another damage and kills the enemy while also keeping it from coming out just has a really satisfying cause and effect to everything you do yeah i agree with that now what about you getty has there been any kind of interesting twist on how the genre has played for you that you really enjoyed man there's just too many options here (laughs) if we go with the newest fire emblem i gotta say i do like the incorporation of persona uh, esque elements to it so having the ability to you not just have to progress through the story like one fight at a time if i look at xcom i don't even want to get started on xcom i don't think we have enough time i feel like we're already over time but i think i have to go back to front mission uh, the different ways that you could customize your mechs uh, either equipping tires or legs or jetpacks the different weapons that you're able to equip during the time so my favorite combo was the shotgun and the brass knucks. So you would you would go up to the guy and you could combo. If your skill procced just right, you get the heavy damage from punching him in the face. And then like a shotgun blast that would take his arm off and disable the mech. And then you'd be able to claim it at the end of combat. Oh, sick. That's, that's what always felt really satisfying to me. Being able to combo the skills and kind of managing your mechs to make sure that you didn't... Uh, you know, go too heavy in one category. For me, just to go along with that, I played a little bit of Battletech. Did you ever play Battletech, the newest one? No, not the newest one, but it looked really good. It is, but it's interesting. I don't know if I love it, but I like the idea that it goes into 
a very granular detail of at a certain point all of your pilots for your mechs you have to pay so they have their own salaries and so <laughs> you want to make sure that you're making enough money per mission and doing side missions and picking up enough quests to make money to continuously pay your pilots alex why is everything that you bring to the table somehow involving Has- like interest or <laughs> your mortgage or <laughs> yeah. resource management heavy yeah yeah and also mario and rabbit's kingdom battle that's oh, just a, that's that a was dumb nice a dumb dumb game i like it uh, just you know the moment when you get like rabbit's peach and she shows up and she's like uh, she makes the stupid like rabbit's noise she's like Aah! and you're like oh god i need like six or seven more drinks before i consider this <laughs> No, <laughs> he went silent. And I no, I was kind of there. I was like, I was saying, what I was trying to think. I was like, did she at one point start hating on Mario? Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, and I wanted to share an interesting story and see if you guys want to share some of your own stories. Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. I have my own little fun sorted history with that game. I, pl- I had two purchased copies and three burned discs on a bootleg playstation one so i could play burned games each of them snapped in half because i went through a fight that lasted 45 minutes only to lose or kill somebody that i had leveled up very strategically snapped in half and out my window oh you're one of those kids huh i wasn't tactics was the only one final (laughs) fantasy tactics was the only one how many controllers did you throw oh none none (laughs) i just would take the disc out and bend it until it snapped that Damn. seems like a poor decision making. I don't know. That I mean, was the only I, game that did that to me. I never threw a controller. I never got like I never punched anything. It's just tactics for some reason. Just forty five minutes of my time wasted. Granted, I think that game back when I got it only cost like ten or fifteen dollars. Maybe it wasn't that bad. Still, two or three of them. Okay. No, that was five total. I mean, oh, five. <laughs> You're a sick man. I still have a copy, but please don't rip it in, or break it in half the next time we hang no, out. No, I think I bought it uh, a few years ago for just to have it because I like that game, but I you don't think I'm ever going to play it. You can't rip a digital copy in half. Well, I, I played some of it on the on the Vita and the PSP, and I had no problem with it. Uh, though I I I was like, man, I really hope I don't just like get really mad and snap my Vita. But it doesn't <laughs> matter because I can just pause it and walk away and have it constantly be on pause. So that's like mm-hmm. the best part about it. Mm-hmm. How about you guys? Do you have any interesting stories with any of these games? Man, you know, looking at this list, I think I've played at least uh, more than two-thirds of them, but there's still some that I do want to play. No stories that I can think up off the top of my head. I probably should have uh, taken a little bit more time to prepare that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of excited for Mutant Year Zero. We got that free on the Epic Game Store, and I I was thinking about getting it for Switch. Hashtag ad. Hashtag ad. Yeah, it, it, uh, a lot of people were bummed out because it couldn't make Game of the Year list because it came out very late December. So uh, maybe it'll be on people's this year. I don't know. It looked like a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we did. We do have Valkyrie uh, Chronicles on here. Yeah, I think we're going for. I don't think any of us uh, touched on it. I, I played the first one originally when it came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to say that I got pretty frustrated with it because of the same kind of thing that Alex was talking about, like losing the characters. Mm-hmm. So in that one, it's very heavily into you get a squad of characters and you don't want to, well, I mean, you have to level them up, but if they die, you can always hire more characters. 
but one of the things that really upset me about that game... Okay, so here's my story. You know that you could get the characters from uh, Skies of Arcadia in it. Okay. And one of the first things I did was, of course, I drafted them into my army, and I want to say I was like two or three battles in, and then I I lost a... Oh, what's what's the girl's name? Akira? No, Akia. Shoot, it completely escapes me right now. Uh, but okay. I I just couldn't play after that. Oh. And then I didn't pick it up again until it was cheap on the on the Switch. Okay, we we should one of us should play four and then report back see what we uh, think of it. I want to play four, but the price is still just too high. Yeah. This coming from a guy who spent sixty bucks on Fire Emblem, so I guess. I think you're gonna get your money's worth out of Fire Emblem. Right. <laughs> yeah, I have no doubts about that. You got so anything, Joel? That, that was our, what do we call it? Jo- uh, genre drive. Genre drive. Yeah. Genre drive. I think we'll come back to this with some JRPGs, maybe some first-person shooters. But now let's move on to one last thing. One last thing is our last segment where we just give a send-off, our thoughts for the week coming onto the weekend, especially on this holiday weekend. Ooh. For me, I bought the Kenny G board game at Target. So me and Beth will be playing Keeping It Sexy this weekend. And that's not a euphemism. Yes, it is. <laughs> there are no careless whispers in this house. Alex, I'll send you guys a picture. Can I get a hand check right now? Hand check. Hands up. Hand check. <laughs> Beth, too. Uh, I hate that I know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Getty? What is your one last thing? Uh... Am I allowed to get excited about Shenmue 3 without having played the first two? Eh, you know what, I don't care, because uh, I'm excited either way. Th- those games are bad. I don't care. You have to play 1 and 2 if you're going to play 3. I'm just going to play 3. I'm going to tie him down and make him play 1 and 2. Shut up and get the outro already. I have more Fire Emblem to play. <laughs> I'll take it, that's your one last thing. And that will be it for this week's Super GG Radio. Before we go, you can find us on Twitter at Super GG Radio and twitch.tv slash Super GG Radio, where we're still going strong with Multiplayer Mondays, 2D Tuesdays, Metal Gear Heartwig Fridays, and some other random streams we're throwing in occasionally. No Sunday Stephen Getty streams, as they'll be out of town this weekend. But hey, maybe I'll hop on for a bit. Uh, but I do want to toss it out there that we're going to get Man of Medan. Yep. I think we're going to do that, too. It's coming out uh, tomorrow, actually, so I'm going to swing by GameStop and burn a whole bunch of the credit that I have to pick it up for free 99 Would you guys... Oh, dual streams? Dual streams. You guys should full stream it. You and Kelly and Getty. <laughs> well, I actually saw that it's co-op, so... Mm-hmm. It is. Maybe Joel and I should just co-op it. Can we dual stream it? No, one of us can just stream it then, yeah? Yeah, but there's also Maybe. a way to dual stream it, too. Let's, let's talk offline. Yeah, I have a way. Either way, I'm excited for it and completely horrified. So, mm-hmm. if you'd like to reach us with questions or input, our email address is superggradio at gmail.com and provide a review on iTunes or the licensed port of your choice. Thanks for listening and GG Steve. Yeah, I said it. Fuck you, Steve. <laughs> good game, Joel. Good game. Good game, Getty. <laughs> Get good, Alex. <laughs> <laughs>